The Quiet Carriage, a show dedicated to books and their authors on Main FM 94.9 with your host, Paul J. Laverty. Hello there, listeners, and welcome again to The Quiet Carriage, 94.9 Main FM show all about books and authors. Later in the show, we'll be checking in with Books and Publishing. That's the Australian trade magazine. And we'll be chatting to the editor, Sarah Farquharson, about what's been going on in the industry uh, this year and what we've got look, to look forward to next year. But first, we're going to talk to an emerging author. Now, remember last week we spoke to Helen at the Wheeler Centre and she was discussing with us their next chapter initiative. Well, today we'll be chatting to Ennis Chehich, who um, was one of the recipients of the next chapter. Now, a little bit about Ennis. Born in Bosnia and Herzegovina, Ennis Chehich is a Bosnian-Australian writer living and working between Melbourne and Sarajevo. His writing focuses on themes of displacement, identity, creativity, and existentialism. His work, including essays, poetry, fiction, and memoir, has been published in a variety of literary journals and publications, including The Age, Mainjin, and Overland, as well as The Lifted Brow. Ennis is the 2018-19 to recipient of Australia's Next Chapter Award, a highly praised literary program created by Melbourne's Wheeler Centre and the Aesop Foundation. He is currently writing his debut short story collection under the guidance and mentorship of writer Nam Lee. I'm very happy to welcome Ennis into the studio. Ennis, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. That's Thanks right. for having me. No, no worries. I should probably uh, have a bit of a disclaimer here and say we do know each other pretty well. We do. And we go back, we go back a fair way. Uh, we met at uh, Melbourne University. Yeah. Was it a film film course? Like no, it was the creative writing course. Creative writing course, that's we right. Were in theater class. Yeah, I think we were the only ones there who really had a passion for books. A lot of other people were into film and theater. Yeah, that's true. And uh, from then, there was uh, a blog. We started a and blog. Movable face that movable face. I think only you and I read. Nobody read it. <laughs> it's just you and I. I think my mum read it once or twice. <laughs> my brother did once. Did he? Yeah. And then obviously um, onto that there was a, a screenplay. Yes. Which a very unsuccessful. A pretty play. yeah. We won't talk too much about that. <laughs> but those days have gone, and uh, you, my friend, have went on to much bigger and better things. The Wheeler Center. We want to talk about that and the mm-hmm. next chapter, which I understand has just finished. Yes. Let's take a step back. How did you get selected for the next chapter? Um, well, last year in um, sort of June, mm-hmm. July, I heard about um, the announcement of the program, yeah. the next chapter, uh, which was created by the Wheeler Center and the ASOP Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I found the program to be interesting for a number of reasons mm-hmm. uh, probably the main one because it's sort of had um, a time limit on it so it's a program that was um, that gave you the opportunity to develop your work through a mentor uh, it gave you fifteen thousand right. dollars and it gave you 12 months to work on the project together with the mentor yep uh, and that r- really appealed to me mm-hmm. um, and I also think uh, given the fact that the um, the judges at the time were Maxine uh, Benebi Clark, uh, Chrysis Dialkos, um, Alan Van Nieren, uh, and Benjamin Law. So um, it was quite a high caliber of, of authors that I really liked, and um, I put an application in mm-hmm. and somehow made it out of the, what, I think about 1,200, 1,300 people that applied. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. So, what's been the best thing to come out of that? Aside from $15,000, which is quite nice. But apart from that, what's been the best thing to come out of it? The mentorship. Yeah. And I understand you had Nam Lee. Now, for people that don't know, Nam Lee is most famous for his short story collection. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. Um, the Boat? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nam Lee published A Boat, uh, I believe, in 2008. First yeah. in the United States and in Australia. It's a timeless collection of short stories. It's, um it enormous influence me on me wanting to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he even accepted the fact to be my mentor was mm-hmm. wow I, I still get shakes about yeah it. <laughs> he's, a, he's a huge name to get yeah what's the what's your process with him 
Uh, well, over the last 12 months since um, I won the program, I I took it probably a little bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I quit my job and I moved to Sarajevo. Yeah. Wow. Um, two reasons for that. Um, the first reasons was obviously financial. Uh, the $15,000 were that and a little bit of freelance work. I was able to basically live there for full and write full time mm-hmm. for a year. Uh, which was really important for me because uh, prior to that, I've always been a working writer. I wrote before work and after work and mm-hmm. on weekends. So this was my first time to embed myself in writing completely mm-hmm. uh, without any distractions. Um, so that was incredible. And mm-hmm. prior to me leaving to Sarajevo, uh, I met up with Nam Lee and we talked a lot about what I wanted to get out of the book and what I wanted him to how how I wanted him to guide me and one of the main things is that I I really wanted to be guided in the art of fiction mm-hmm. and um, and I also said to him I don't want you to feel reserved about criticism I want to be criticized because I want to do a good job mm-hmm. and um, and then our relationship basically moved forward with me writing a batch of stories uh, sending him to him uh, he'd review it um, give me little line edits, um, overview of each story. He'll give me global feedback, macro feedback around how the collection's going. And then we'd get on the phone and talk about it for like two hours. Um, Two hours, wow. So um, that was extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think the first time when you sent feedback, I was really petrified. Mm -hmm. Um, It was quite confronting. Um, But I kind of battled through it. I mean, I didn't write for like a month because I was petrified. <laughs> <laughs> was but, it was uh, it quite harsh? What he what he had to say back? Uh, not necessarily harsh. It was just uh, I think he just really wanted me to dig deeper, right. um, dig deeper into the stories, the characterization, the narrative, um, the tension, the way the story flowed. Um, it was a lot of stuff that you know I was aware of, but when you when you you know when you have nothing else but the writing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. in front of you day day in day out it can be quite confronting but mm-hmm. um i learned an incredible amount mm-hmm. it was really it was really important for me to get his feedback because i think his guidance helped me understand the collection of stories that i wanted to write mm-hmm. um and um and yeah he taught me so much about um attention about tone um how to control my voice um and obviously sentence structure and so forth so yeah right because he was the one you really wanted wasn't it to be a mentor you just you just can't put a dollar on what he must no. be able to do for you yeah uh yeah I'm, i mean i didn't really think i'd, I'd get namely <laughs> i mean i i've i requested him and i think the story was um it was sophie black who was the head of the program at the time she just sent me a message says he's in Namely yeah. is in. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Um, yeah, wow. But yeah, I think um, I think he just wasn't in a position to be a mentor, and I think from now that I know, he's kind of took a liking to to the work, and he kind of really wanted to work with someone, and and uh, yeah, we've developed a really wonderful relationship, and I'm I'm so happy.
don't think I risk another these days. These days. And if I seem to be afraid to live the life that I have made in song, it's just that I've been. So you received the the money, and you also received the mentorship. Mm-hmm. What have you done over the last twelve years? What's what's been your output? Uh, the last twelve years. Oh, sorry, twelve years, twelve months, <laughs> twelve months, twelve years. Wow, uh, a lot. <laughs> um, well, okay. To give you some, um, well, I left left this uh, left Melbourne in December last year. Mm-hmm. I had about seven and a half thousand words of advertising, mm-hmm. which is the story collection that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sitting at about sixty-five thousand mm-hmm. now. I've also completed uh, a book in collaboration with a photographer mm-hmm. about uh, my homeland, Bosnia. Um, I wrote a couple of articles and essays, uh, but my main focus has obviously been my short story collection. And that's advertising. Do you want to tell that, us a little yeah. bit more about that? Yeah. Um, advertising is um, is a short story collection um, that explores the existential dramas of the global creative industry, consumerism, and advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an absurdist fiction collection, I'd say. Um, I think it's written in the style of flash fiction. The stories are no, uh, no larger than... 1500 words each mm-hmm. um, so you can imagine it's a lot of stories to get them to, to about 65,000 words <laughs> um, and I'm still going the collection is not finished I aim to have the um, the first draft of the manuscript complete by the end of February that's mm-hmm. my aim um, but look I th- from I've, I've kind of gotten to understand the story collection a lot more um, I think I've always you know I am a what you would call a migrant writer, but I always wanted to write something you wouldn't expect from a migrant writer. Mm-hmm. And um, advertising is really a reflection of our modern condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really written this, the collection from this kind of theoretical perspective of non-place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really not grounded in place. Um, uh, the stories kind of live in the ether of offices and small kind of specific locations all around the world but mm-hmm. uh, there's only like four or five stories that have actually genuinely set in places mm-hmm. uh, and that was intentional so there's a story set in Munich uh, one in Dusseldorf uh, one in Melbourne one in Paris one in Sarajevo um, and I have one more to write which will be set in New York but other than mm-hmm. that the story just kind of I, I kind of just wanted to write it very globally in a way mm-hmm it's interesting you touch upon being a migrant writer because in mm. Australia you're often expected to write about the migrant experience, you know, whether yeah. it, for me Scotland or Sudan or Asia, yeah. and you haven't done that. Is that something you've done? Well, on I haven't purpose? done it. In, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think in fiction I haven't focused on that at all, mm-hmm. and there's a really good reason for that. I think for me, fiction is increasingly the best way to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the themes um, of displacement of what I mean displacement is the core theme any 
right over migrant background would be kind of looking at. Mm-hmm. It's the cross-cultural upbringing. Um, I haven't really focused on that very much in fiction. I've, I write about it extensively in nonfiction, in essays, in memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, I haven't really focused on it in, uh, in fiction. And that is intentional. Um, I, it's just not the kind of work that I really want out at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I don't think we should be called migrant writers at all. I think we should just be called writers. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. For anyone out there. Yeah. So, had you not got the next chapter from the Wheeler, would you have went back to Bosnia last year? What, was, th- the, what was the pull there for you? It was an enormous pull. Um, I think I've always wanted to get to know my culture from within. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, you, if you've been displaced from, like myself, who... You know, was exiled when I was six, seven from my homeland. I was a refugee in Germany for five years, migrated to Australia when I was 13. I've kind of had, I've been very drawn and, you know, my, my formative years have been in Western societies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've come to a point where Bosnia has become very dear to me. And I really wanted to know it, but I didn't want to know it from the perspective of here. Like, mm-hmm. um, understanding it through uh, literature or my parents or you know friends and community, I really wanted to be embedded in the society, and it was important for me to go there on my own mm-hmm. and um, live in it um, culturally, politically, uh, economically, um, creatively, and just really experience it to see what it's about. And um, and it's extremely complex country, but it's marvelous. And I think I've, I've got a really, really rich history to draw upon, um, and autobiographically as well. Um, and this is something that has become really, really um, important to me about, you know, I think you never really leave your history, like it never leaves you mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and I, I don't think it's left me. And I think it's going to become more and more apparent in my work. But I don't think it's going to be in the traditional way because I, I do write very absurdist fiction. So I think mm-hmm. it, will, it will come in different streams, I'd mm-hmm. say. Is it easier to be a, a writer and a creative over there, did you find? I'm thinking more so I in did. terms of cost. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you put it this way, I, I kind of, the money that I had from the Wheeler Center and some additional um, freelance work that I did Mm -hmm. um, allowed me to have an apartment for 12 months and pay rent and buy groceries and travel a little bit. Um, So it's... Couldn't do that in St. Kilda. No, (laughs) not even in St. Albans. Yeah, yeah, it was, was, you know, that was one of the other reasons why I went there because it really allowed me to... Just focus on the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I did was read books and write. Mm-hmm. I disciplined myself from eight to six just to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I couldn't write, I'd have to read. If I couldn't read, I'd have to take photos or go for a walk. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, those conditions, those narrow kind of confined conditions, were really important to for me to get the work out. That sounds perfect. Will you return? Definitely. Yeah, I think I really want to build my life. Uh, between Melbourne and Sarajevo. Mm -hmm. Um, The book that I work on now that's coming out just uh, before Christmas uh, is an independent release that Mm -hmm. I've done with a photographer from Australia called Shantanu Starik. Um, And we've... uh, We've basically the 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 book the book is based around the concept of metonyms. So mm-hmm. when you think about metonyms in countries, and uh, you think USA, you think the Statue of Liberty, you think mm-hmm. Paris, you think the Eiffel Tower, you think Australia, you think the Opera House or the Uluru. You, you know, there's an iconic place or landmark that is tied to a particular place. Um, when you think of Bosnia, mm-hmm. most people think war. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, yeah. sadly, it's mm-hmm. very unfortunate. So. Uh, my intention with this book is to change that perception a little bit. So I've kind of, mm-hmm. um, I've proposed new metonyms that mm-hmm. sort of sit outside of associations or connect- connections to war. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially a photography book uh, imbued with um, poetry, uh, short stories, and um, sort of a comprehensive essay that talks about the topic of metonyms. Mm-hmm. And what's the format? Are we talking big coffee table? No, no, it's actually not. Book? It's quite a succinct book. Um, mm-hmm. It's a soft cover. It's about 150 pages or so uh, it's predominantly photography but it's all kind of based around particular metonyms mm-hmm. I mean and a metonym of a country still has to be quite iconic mm-hmm. um, and this was my first foray into this topic so um, 
And I think it's interesting. And I think it might be an ongoing project. It might be a second edition or a third mm. edition. You know, I'd also like people to contribute and suggest metonyms. Yeah. you've come back is for the end of the the next chapter yeah it was amazing um i mean the next chapter they've done an incredible job of 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 putting together 10 serious writers mm -hmm. giving them time mentorship to work and at the end of the 12 months um they developed um introductions to publishers so over two days we were basically sitting in a room and um talking to publishers getting uh introductions into the houses what they do how to approach work uh, how to work with debut authors we had the ability to ask them questions that we wouldn't mm -hmm. have otherwise ask and i think that i think it was a really beautiful way to demystify the relationship between a writer and a publisher mm -hmm. i mean as you know yourself it's always been like the publishing houses it was always like really scary to mm. approach them and um and this kind of really changed that role it reversed that role like mm -hmm. you know they came in and talked to us instead of us directly pitching to them and um mm. and yeah now the process is ongoing we're um, basically going to be uh, talking to them a little bit more directly and um obviously submitting our manuscripts for consideration and so forth 
And that happens next year? Or uh, it, it happens with um, however far people are in their, in their process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if some people have already finished manuscript, they'll be submitting now. Um, others might take a little bit longer. I'll obviously have, I've given myself a little bit more time mm-hmm. just to craft the work a bit more. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it as an emerging author to, to break through? Man, I think it's really hard. <laughs> Well, good, because I do as well. (laughs) I think it's always been hard. I think... Is it harder? We wouldn't know, I guess, but... I I don't know. I think, for me, it's always been, how serious are you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for both of us, we've always been very serious writers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I mean serious by wanting a career out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think writing is essentially an exploration of of our our humanity, of our humanness. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of grip onto certain questions about ourselves, about others, about the way we live, and that's what we want to explore. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I think... I don't know how to answer that question. I think I think it ha- it has been difficult. Obviously, it has. I mean, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to get to the stage that I'm now, and it's still a really really long journey going mm-hmm. forward. But but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of rejections that you get, mm-hmm. it's, it's it daunting. You know, like, there doesn't seem to be one sort of set path, isn't it? It seems no, like there's, there's many so. roads that that lead but to I, Rome. I, I think a lot of it has to do with building networks and communities. You mm-hmm. know? I think. Um, you know, a lot of people go through the pathway of, of becoming grounded in the literary community in Melbourne, for example, you know, mm-hmm. attach themselves to a particular magazine, mm-hmm. and that's how they kind of continue to rise. Um, other people are a lot more lucky. They just go to a publisher and it happens for them. Yep. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people try um, Unpublished Manuscript Award. is a huge, mm-hmm. huge program yep. um, that really puts people on a map. Um, I didn't go down that route, you know, I kind of, Mm-hmm. went this way and it kind of happened and um you know i'm still you know the publishers might not like advertising i don't mm-hmm. know you know like if they don't i'll put it out myself but yeah it's the it's the process it's the journey mm-hmm. and i think if you keep persisting you got to have persistence and i remember once i went to um a really wonderful workshop with christos yakos and he said something really wonderful, like you need talent, you need um, persistence, you need this, you need that, but there's one thing you can't control, mm-hmm. and it's timing and luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that has always stayed with me, because it's so true. You know, mm. like it's sometimes luck and timing, it's outside of your control, but yeah. it, it happens. Yeah, of course, yeah. And you work in advertising as well? I do. On the side. Is that a, a distraction to your, to your writing? Or do you see it as a bit of a plus? Well, I think now that I've disengaged from it from a career path, it's a lot easier. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was obviously very swallowed in the world. I I do love working in advertising. Mm -hmm. It kind of gives you the ability to be, I guess, commercially creative without... You know, you see things out in the world that you've done, whether it's a tagline or a TV commercial or, Mm -hmm. or a website that you've built or... Or campaign, yeah, um, and it's been great. I mean, I love that industry, and I think advertising emerged out of the advertising industry. For mm-hmm. me, advertising is a project that started in an ad agency. Yep. The first story that I wrote was at three o'clock in an ad agency in hmm. 2017, and I remember the line that I wrote. It was um, on Friday they decided they were all going to become poets, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and it was just a short story about a group of copywriters who had a mutiny in the agency because they no longer want to be copywriters, they want to be right. poets. And that's how it started. You know, that, yeah. that, you know, I just kind of started writing these stories and instead of sending them to my kind of content department, we were all writers, we were just laughing at it and then going down swinging published seven of the stories and yep. that's sort of how the journey continued. And now yeah. it's going to become my first major body of work. Yeah, fantastic. So, uh, advertising mm. and the Bosnia book. Yeah. What's the title of that again? So? New Metonyms. New Metonyms. What are you thinking beyond that? What's, what's your plans? Can you give anything away? War and Peace. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, look, I think having a year to yourself where yeah. you're literally just writing and reading books. I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and your debut work. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a really a lot of time to look at some of my old stuff and look at it from the perspective, is this really just a short story collection? Mm-hmm. Is this really a poem? 
you know. So there was a lot of instances where I kind of looked into work and I realized that something much, much bigger exists in it. And um, and one of the stories was this story that I wrote uh, probably about four or five years ago. And mm-hmm. it was a story about me returning back to the village where I'm from for the first time and mm-hmm. forgetting everything that I've lived there. And I kind of just had this young kind of egotistical character who was very Melbourneian, um, mm-hmm. going back and just really hating his ethnicity. Uh, and it was a very arrogant story. It was, there was just no simple, even reading it, I just felt, I just felt so disconnected from this person. And that was an old Ennis in a way. Um, but this story has really become something so much deeper. Wow. I actually ended up going back to the village and spending a full week there with my uncle, and it's you know it's very abandoned. There's mm-hmm. a handful of people that live there, and it's so quiet and peaceful. And and I just started thinking about this story again, and I started taking notes, and I wrote so many notes about that experience of going back there. And it's kind of like displacement in reverse. It's not really talking about displacement of being an ethnic person living in Melbourne. It's mm-hmm. about the return of being, mm-hmm. yep. you know, like a westernized ethnic person mm-hmm. going back to your own country and seeing that you can't connect with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this has been explored in so many books. Teju Cole yep. did it wonderfully. Um, but yeah, I think this body of work is something that I'll be working for quite a long time. Um, yep. I think that is in itself a novel. Um, but there's other projects. I've, I've, I'm thinking about another short story collection, um, a novella like you... Um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. But, you know, at the moment, I don't want to think or get ahead with that. I think I just really need to continue to focus on, on, on this advertising and make it the best work I can make it. Um, I've been taught by a really renowned writer, and mm-hmm. I need to use that to my advantage. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that draws you towards that notebook, that laptop, that pen? Mm. I understand you're not from, you're like myself, you're not from a family of creatives. What no. is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is funny, that called? Funny from? you say that. I I've always asked my parents, like, man, why is there nobody creative in in our family? <laughs> my parents always say that to me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but I went back when I went back to the village. I um, mm-hmm. encountered an artist from the village, mm-hmm. and I was so obsessed with this man because he's the only other creative individual that I was able to find. <laughs> Not, he's not part of the family, <laughs> but he's from the story. village. <laughs> you know, this guy is like sort of like this landscape artist who came back to Bosnia mm-hmm. to the village where there's nobody, mm-hmm. <laughs> and literally invested maybe hundred to two hundred thousand euros mm-hmm. on converting his entire house into this kind of castle-like space, and he he makes. Uh, metal art. He makes clockwork. Yep. He's building a swimming pool. It's phenomenal. Yep. My girlfriend calls him the backyard Gaudi, <laughs> which is really true. Um, but that was so inspiring for me. You know, I was like, oh, wow, there's somebody yeah. I can connect with and level. But, um, but to answer your question, I think the reason why we write, or I, I can't say for everyone, but mm-hmm. I can say for myself, I think there's this uncertainty about life mm-hmm. um, that I'm really drawn to. Mm-hmm. And whether it's spiritual or economic or political or personal or love, all mm-hmm. of those components. There's so many unanswered questions. And mm-hmm. even though we have a thousand different stories that teach us about that and you relate to some of them, sometimes you can't because your situation is so individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, exploring this human condition um, is kind of what pulls me in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think a lot of my work or, or a lot of the way I write generally stems from poetry. I think I've always um, been drawn to let the work come from a poem. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that I write is usually like a weird little poem that I'd write that kind of expands into something. Mm-hmm. Um, with stories, um, it's really absurdity. Like I, I, I look at something and then I think it's so strange and it isn't strange, 
but it becomes strange in my mind mm -hmm. and then I be become consumed by it mm -hmm. and that consumption leads me to kind of think of it as a character or a scenario and then it just writes itself in a way. Mm -hmm. Great. Ennis, we're going to have to leave it there. No worries. We can continue on at the pub though. <laughs> I'd love to. Where can people keep in touch with you and what you're up to? Um, well, I only have Instagram um, mm -hmm. um, at nschehich. Uh, I've got a website as well, nschehich.com.au. Uh, .com, where it's I just C E H C E H I C. Yeah, and I just kind of put links there to to my work. But yeah, Instagram is probably the best. Uh, Fantastic. Kind of keep people up to date with what I'm up to. Fantastic. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more of you. In the Thanks, years man. to come, and hopefully we can get you back up to Castlemaine sometime again soon. Of course. And can you leave us with a song? I'd love to. Go ahead. I want to offer something a little bit different. Okay. Um, I want to leave a song with you by a band called Altingun, uh, which is a Turkish psychedelic folk band from Amsterdam, actually. Um, and the song that I would love for you to play is called uh, Supergesi Yonsadan. That is very different from The Quiet Carriage, but here it is. You're going to enjoy it. Thank you. Enes, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
Lifehouse are designers of simple, serene buildings. We craft spaces and forms that are sympathetic to the environment in which we live and to the needs of our clients, that connect with the eye, mind and soul. Our firm of designers focus on the best energy-efficient outcomes, producing beautiful, unique buildings. Contact us to discuss your project. You can find us at lifehousedesign.com.au. Lifehouse Design, creating smaller footprints, award-winning passive solar design and a proud supporter of Main FM. No agenda. Music, interviews, mostly music. Saturdays, noon until 2pm on 94.9 Main FM. Make it your soundtrack for Saturday. Are you following me? Do you like me? Do you love me? Well, why don't you do all three on our Facebook page at Main FM and our Instagram page at 94.9 Main FM. And you can tell me what you really think of me and maybe even share me with your friends. 94.9 Main FM. Share the love. You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM. During our discussion with Ennis Czech, uh, we had some music. Uh, first up, there was These Days by Nico, Government Town by Tom Woodward, and there we had Ennis's request, which he will say a lot better than I will. Sir Yussi Yonkarden, uh, that was a title by Alton Guin. Next up, Books and Publication is the Australian trade publication in the book industry. And I was very fortunate recently to catch up with his managing with its managing editor, Sarah Farquharson. And I'm going to play that interview for you right now. Thanks for coming on The Quiet Carriage. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so you're the editor of Books and Publishing. Um, yep. what, is it, what is it you guys do? So Books and Publishing, we are the trade prep for the book industry. So um, you were a subscription publication. You subscribe to us uh, if you worked for a publisher mm-hmm. or you're a bookseller, a librarian, a literary agent. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some authors who subscribe. Um, so we produce, we've got a quarterly print magazine. Mm-hmm. So that goes out four times a year. It's been around in one form or another for 100 years. Um, we're putting right. on the local, yeah, the local book sector here, um, mm-hmm. and then of course we um, do a range of online stuff. We publish news stories every day. We have a daily uh, newsletter, um, and our longest running kind of e-newsletter is a is a weekly book newsletter, um, mm-hmm. which yeah covers industry news, um, yeah features and analysis about industry trends. Um, we'll cover kind of industry conferences, um, mm-hmm. data, or recent reports. Great, great. And uh, what sort of year has it been for the for the publishing industry in Australia? Well, look, it's, I think the uh, the catch cry that is going around is sort of flat is the new up. Right. Um, there's kind of, you know, in terms of book sales, um, like that, um, something that, like, it basically kind of, Book sales here rely a lot mm-hmm. of the time on kind of bestsellers or you know a, a, a trend book. So yeah. last year we had the Barefoot Investor, um, which is kind of just mm. still selling, you know. Like it's that crazy, book. yeah. <laughs> it's just still selling. But I guess the thing is, when you are looking at kind of bestsellers for last year compared to um, what we're seeing this year, obviously the year's not over yet. But you know that kind of having a bestseller like, like that might mean that there's you know growth. Mm-hmm. in non-fiction last year and then there's a bit of a decline this year because you've lost um, some of those big titles mm-hmm. um, the Mark Manson book was also really big last year the fun right. part of not giving a mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah so, so a couple of those big titles that really sold a lot of copies last year yeah. we sort of didn't have those this year although they're still selling but just not really in the same quantities um, right. but Look, I mean, I would say that that 
Has anything uh, stuck out for you in terms of adult fiction this year? This year, adult mm-hmm. fiction. Look, I mean, I think definitely in the last few years, we've we've had a lot of um, Australian crime authors who have done really well. Um, you know, we've got The Dry, Jane Harper, who's mm, yep. been doing really well. Dover McKinnon, um, Chris Hammer, Christian mm-hmm. White. There's a whole bunch of them who kind of you know came onto the scene in the last few years and some of them are kind of still with their debut or second or third book um, but those books have done you know really well not just in terms of kind of sales here but also in terms of kind of selling the rights to those books overseas or you know getting kind of film rights adaptation rights snapped up and um, that you know selling rights to books is also a really important um, yeah, part of the of industry here it's just another way that publishers can um make a bit of money yeah, <laughs> but yeah crime, crime Australian crime seems to be um, having a really positive moment which is nice to see yep okay and what do you have coming up in your latest issue oh this issue so mm-hmm. we've just got our copies back from the printer this week which is exciting mm-hmm. um, it's our last issue for the year mm-hmm. um, we normally uh, try and have a loose theme for each issue so for this one we're, we're kind of um, I mean, overall, we're cycling through different um, kind of sections of the industry. So mm. in this one, we're looking at kind of sales and marketing. Okay. Um, so we've got a feature on uh, kind of marketing, kind of people, we're sort of asking people in, in book marketing about sort of their challenges and successes. And one of the interesting points that came up in that is that, you know, a lot of people tend to agree that as marketers, one of the big challenges is just how how much competition there is for people's leisure time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you grab the attention of someone and get them to read a book when, you know, you're competing with, you know, TV and Netflix and movies and games and, you know, podcasts. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's a challenge for everyone yeah. in the media at the moment. Of course, yeah. Um, also in this issue, it's our last one for the year, so we normally do a preview of um, forthcoming books next mm-hmm. year. Okay. Um, so that's actually just a fiction preview in the print magazine, um, and that we're going to do a our full preview online uh, in the next week or two, which will be adult fiction and non and nonfiction, as well as our children's preview. So that covers. So the children's preview is in the magazine as well. I should have explained this at the start actually. <laughs> so our magazine is kind of a flip cover. So right. um, pick it up, and on one side it's books and publishing, and that's kind of covering the adult. Uh, section of the market, you know, general fiction and non-fiction, yep. and then you split it over and that's our junior um, edition, which covers children's books, and I think, you know, because children's publishing is such an important part of the industry here in Australia, we just, you know, think it's really good to have kind of a, a separate yep. um, part of the magazine that focuses on, on kids' books. So yeah, looking at forthcoming picture books, um, junior fiction, and YA as well. Excellent. Cool. And yeah. Um, coming up to Christmas, what do you think the big fiction sellers will be in terms of for adults and also also for kids? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Oh, um, right. <laughs> I know that, that's all right. I just we uh, we normally um, do towards the end of the year we do like a Christmas prediction series yeah, right. online but, where we actually talk to booksellers okay. and ask them what they think their predictions are. So we haven't done that yet, but we will be doing it a little bit closer. Probably run that right in the lead up to Christmas. Um, definitely for kids, you know, the um, the latest Bad Guys book yes. um, is out recently and that's just been an amazing, oh, an amazing series for yeah. kids. So that'll be huge. Um, Wimpy Kid always does well. Um, Doe mm-hmm. um, has got a, kind of a new series out. Um, but all his other stuff, you know, does well as well. You know, the Weirdo and the Hot Dog series. Um, yeah, so... That kind of, yeah, my guess is for kids, for adults, 
Um, one of the big bestsellers kind of this year has been the Tattooist of Auschwitz, um, yep. which you might have heard of, mm-hmm. and the sequel to that, um, Silker's Journey, is um, I think published this month, I believe, or maybe it's next month. Um, so that will probably be big considering, you know, that the Tattooist, you know, sold a lot of copies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... Uh, I know there's a new Christian White. Um, his first book, The Nowhere Child, you know, did really well, especially for a debut um, Australian author. So mm-hmm. his new book is The Wife and the Widow, and okay. that's out, I think, this month as well. Um, that should be good. What else? I should have come a bit more prepared. Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'll probably think of lots of things after after I stop talking to you and think, oh, I should have Yeah, it's always, it's always blah, the way. Blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, Voice Ball Universe has been huge yeah. this year as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure Huffcoms is putting out like a hardback kind of right. edition of that, if that's not already out. Um, so that's likely to be a good kind of gift book over the Christmas season. Um, but, you know, cookbooks always sell well, yep. sports books, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, and where can we pick up a copy of Books and Publishing? Is, is it available in, in newsagents? So the print um, edition mm-hmm. is not available, uh, mm-hmm. not available in newsagents um, because it is sort of a subscription magazine. And yep. I guess because our audience is, is mostly the trade, it's not really, we're not really aimed at consumers, yep. um, just kind of general book consumers. Although, mm-hmm. yeah, you're welcome to read it if you're interested. Um, so you would have to head to our website um, and order a subscription there so you can Excellent. get just a print only subscription um or a print and digital or just digital only obviously like yeah digital is a, a lot more regular we're doing stuff um on the website and online every day um and yeah the print magazine as i said is just uh four times a year excellent and that's books and publishing.com Dot au. Dot au. Excellent. And I do recommend the newsletter. I think you guys do newsletters so well. Uh, anyone oh, that is interested you. in uh, in uh, in books and in publishing. Um, Sarah, um, thanks so much for, for giving us your time. And um, okay. it will be wonderful to catch up with you again, hopefully in the new year. Yeah, sure. Um, we, we tend to uh, do a kind of Christmas survey every year where we ask sort of retailers how their Christmas has been. So yeah. hopefully in the new year I'd have some more kind of data if that's the kind of thing that you want to talk about in terms of yeah how great. Been. yeah great well I, I think it's probably too early to wish you a Merry Christmas but um <laughs> never too early <laughs> to talking about Christmas <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you in a few months thanks so much alright thanks you you're listening to 94.9 Main FM and the Quiet Carriage a couple of announcements um First up, Main FM, our station, is presenting our inaugural Radio Awards Night, and that's this Saturday, 7th of December, at Wesley Hill Hall, 5.30pm for a 7pm start, and there'll be food trucks, bar, music from Stop That Mammoth and World Turtle World, and free entry, so please do come along, all are welcome to that. Also, on Sunday from 2pm, local author... Tegan Giganti is releasing her second collection of poetry. She's a local um, Chewton-based poet. And that's called All Things Flow. And that will be from 2 p.m. Sunday, the 8th of December at the Garden Room at Buddha, 42 Hunter Street, Castle, Maine. And once again, all are welcome to that. I'd like to thank once again my guest today, Ennis Chehik and Sarah Farquharson from Books and Publishing. Please join me next week while I'll be joined by author Madeleine Dickey talking about her new novel out now through Fremantle Press and also Susan Green from Stoneman's Bookroom giving us a bit of a um, heads up on what to buy for this Christmas and uh, what to read this summer. So please do join me next Friday at 1pm and you can also catch me on mixcloud.com slash thequietcarriage. Thank you again for listening and I hope to see you next week. Here is Mogwai with her track, Cody. Keep reading. Mm-hmm.